Walking into the unknown is terrifying. You can barely see in front of you. Your eyes are blurry with tears. Everything looks familiar, but nothing is right. You see the photographs from that beach vacation you took a few years ago neatly tucked into a Facebook album. These tiny time capsules of what you deemed the best vacation ever. A picture draws your attention. You're standing on a ferry with ocean stretched behind you, the world moving slowly for that moment. Your nose is red from the sun and your freckles are out in full force. You can smell the salty air and feel the breeze rush over your chest, whipping your hair back. You hear seagulls calling out to one another. The sounds reminding you of the screams coming from your body as all your dreams came crashing to the floor. The evening sun is hovering just so to cast the most mesmerizing sunset on your adoring face. The look of adoration reserved only for him. Your smile is breathtaking. Your face is beaming. You linger on that picture he took of you, touching it, trying to make out the look in her eyes. Those are your eyes, but that was a different you. A woman who did not know what true darkness was. A woman who didn't understand what true loss was. The woman who was so painfully unaware of where life was leading her. You feel foolish for living like you were untouchable for not savoring that last night in bed with him or the last meal you shared? How is it fair that you only got 10 years? How is it fair that your 39-year-old husband had to die when he had so much to live for? Why him? Why you? Why us? Why now? Am I confused? Yes. Is this going to get weird? It already has. Am I scared? Shitless. Let's go down the widow rabbit hole together. Thank you for listening. This is how I got back to my childhood bedroom. When I open up Facebook each morning, because let's be honest, it's one of the first things I do. I notice the little dot notating my new memories for the day. For a lot of people, it means nothing, or there's a bit of excitement, especially on holidays or important dates. But for people like me, people with grieving hearts and minds, it can be a double-edged sword. To quote one of Albert's favorite movies, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That is life for a griever forever. That may sound dramatic, but it isn't meant to be. Truly, every day is different and grief can hit you at the oddest times and in the weirdest ways, whether it be watching your son chase butterflies in the backyard and sobbing because he's missing it, or cursing his name because he's the one that always made your coffee in the morning and he had to go and ruin it by dying, or seeing his name still listed as your husband on Facebook because, well, you can't possibly bring yourself to change it to widowed, but more simply... You just miss him, and you always will. As I scrolled through Facebook, I was trying to determine the exact day Albert and I met. He was always so good at remembering those things. I, on the other hand, am not. But thankfully, we have Facebook. After a bit of searching, I find it. November 29th, 2007. We met at a Packers versus Cowboys game at the now non-existent ESPN zone in Times Square. 
It was a setup of sorts by our mutual friend, Kyla, who I worked with and he knew from his hometown. He was new to the city and she thought we might hit it off. Well, I'm not going to say we hit it off, but we did not hit it off. He was funny and way more interesting than the game on TV. I didn't do sports, but somehow I wound up in a sports mecca in the middle of Times Square with men screaming at gigantic TVs while downing pints of beer with my friend Kyla and this guy named Albert. Albert was larger than life and more than just physical appearance. He had this way of making you feel special, and his laugh filled a room. He had moved to Manhattan at the age of 28 to pursue what so many come to New York to do, theater, the same as me. As I stood by the bar, awkwardly, I decided to order a pint of beer, which I hate, by the way, but I chugged it anyways. Why? I have no clue other than I wanted to impress him. Somehow, even though I wasn't completely into him, I wanted him to be into me. I remember talking, but not what we talked about. It was so loud, and I was tipsy after downing a pint in record time. We parted ways, and he had definitely left an impression on me. But to what extent... I wasn't sure. The next day, Kyla told me that Albert thought I was adorable, that he loved my curly hair and how my blue eyes popped in my blue pea coat. She said that he might message me, and all my insecurities came bubbling to the surface. I was a late bloomer in the dating department and had never been in a relationship. I was never the girl the guy wanted. I was the quirky friend sidekick in every romantic comedy ever the one who never gets the guy. So, to say I was nervous is an understatement. I continued to brush it off, thinking that he would never actually message me. But not even two days later, I received a Facebook message. It said something to the effect of, Hey, this is Albert. We met at ESPN Zone. I'd like to take you out sometime. I read it and clicked out of messages. I chose not to respond. Another day went by and I got an email. Again, I chose not to respond. But, without warning, Albert's luck changed. As I was folding sweaters at the 69th and Broadway and Taylor, I looked up as someone came in the store. I quickly lost all color in my face. I was mortified. There he was strolling in. Kyla, who was the assistant manager, had hired him for the holiday season and somehow had neglected to tell me this. As he walked towards the back of the store, he smiled at me. One day, the store was insanely busy. It was like a week before Christmas, and we had piles of cashmere sweaters as far as the eye could see. And those damn sweaters needed to be refolded constantly. If you've ever worked in retail during the holiday season, you understand the special kind of hell it is. The line of the register was almost out the door, Albert was ringing people up and trying to wrap gifts at the same time. We had these ribbons that you placed around the box and had to pull a certain way. I saw him struggling to get the ribbon pulled properly and started giggling to myself. He looked pretty cute all stressed out by those ribbons, so I rushed over there and took the box and ribbon from him and said, Here, I got this. I'm not sure how many gifts I wrapped, but it was a lot. We had a good rhythm going, and surprisingly, we made a pretty good team. There, in that moment, a friendship sparked. Throughout our time at Ann Taylor, as he decided to stay on after the holiday season, we showed little ways we cared for each other. We made each other mix CDs. He wrapped my chapstick I left by the register with masking tape and wrote Bree Stick on it. 
I had an unusual obsession with chapstick during that time, and he totally fed into it. I would get Chinese food from the place next door and only eat the meat and rice. He would eat my vegetables. And many times, he would walk home with me if our shifts ended at the same time. We would walk through Central Park to the east side of Manhattan where we both lived. During our walks, we would talk about our families, our worries, our passions. We really opened up to one another. There was one time in the park where a giant puddle had overtaken the path and he scooped me up and carried me through it. We became very good friends, but there was always a tension between us. I know we both felt it, and I'm pretty sure everybody around us felt it too. One night, Kyle and Albert were coming over to my apartment for dinner. He made chicken marsala, and to this day, it still remains one of my favorite meals of all time. And not just any marsala, the one he made that night. Before Kyla arrived, Albert and I were hanging out. He was cooking, I was reading about signs on the Zodiac and their compatibility out loud. I mean, come on, it was like, why aren't we dating? (laughs) I remember Albert telling me how that night changed his whole perspective on me. He said that as he was cooking and I was reading aloud that all he could think was, I could get used to this. Well, Kyla arrived and we all had dinner and played some games. There seemed to be an unspoken feeling in the room. Albert and I wanted Kyla to leave. After much hinting, she finally did. Then it was just Albert and I again. I was into tarot. Dear God, that sounds... (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so ridiculous, but I was into tarot, so I thought it would be fun for Albert and I to read each other's cards. Everything kept pointing to a romance and someone new in your life, uncertainties and leaps of faith. Obviously, you can kind of mold it into what is going on in your life, and it felt like it was talking about us. The sexual tension in the room was insanely palpable, but... It was getting late, so I walked Albert to the door, and by God, we almost kissed. Almost. I closed the door, took a deep breath, and possibly a cold shower. What Albert had thought had been a breakthrough in our relationship took a turn he did not expect. I walked into work the next day and completely ignored him. There I was, a 21-year-old hot mess bitch. My instincts were to be as mean as possible and to push him away. I just was not equipped to deal with the feelings I was having for Albert. At least, not yet. From there, we still remained friends, but it was definitely different. We both knew that we had crossed a line. A line that would be very hard to come back from. A couple of weeks later, Albert took a job at another store and left Ann Taylor. I started dating different guys, none of them panning out. The last guy I dated before Albert was someone I met on MySpace. Oh yeah, remember MySpace? His name was Aubrey. He was from the Bronx, his dad was a pastor, and he looked like LeBron James. And yes, he did play basketball. He was really sweet, handsome, he even came to my birthday dinner and met all my friends. But something wasn't right. I couldn't stop thinking about Albert. So I decided to write him a letter. I guess you could call it a love letter. 
I held on to it for a month trying to meet up with him, but he was totally avoiding me, and honestly, I couldn't blame him. One night, I got bold. I decided to message him, but unfortunately, at that point, you can only send a small amount of text at a time, so I wrote something along the lines of this. Hey, so I'm seeing this guy, and all I can think about, send, is how when I'm with him, he doesn't compare to you send. A moment later, I got a text saying, great, I'm so happy for you. He hadn't received the last text. But then he got the rest and it went quiet. I sat up in my bed freaking out. So I sent another and told him I had a letter I wanted to give him. Quiet again. My phone buzzed, lighting up the dark room. He said he was getting in a cab and coming to my apartment. I put on a jacket and went to wait on my stoop. Nervous doesn't even describe how I was feeling. A few minutes later, he pulled up and got out of the cab and sat next to me. I'm pretty sure I sheepishly said hi or something and I handed him the letter. He read it right in front of me. Not much was said. He just took it in and we sat there for a while. He told me that he had always had feelings for me, but he just wasn't sure if he still felt the same way. That possibly it was too late that I had come around too late. We took it slow, not pushing one another. We started talking again, then we started hanging out again. And then one night, we were watching Across the Universe and kissed for the first time. The light of the movie reflecting off of us, nothing else seemed to matter. Unfortunately, we hit another roadblock. New Year's Eve 2009 could have been the nail in the coffin for us. And that's probably not the best turn of phrase to use, but I'm going to go with it. And to be upfront, I grappled with telling this part of the story because it doesn't put Albert in the best light. But relationships are complicated. They aren't perfect and people mess up. I definitely made my fair share of mistakes. But also, just because they're dead doesn't mean that we sugarcoat everything about them and twist the truth. Albert was out with one of our close friends and had way too much to drink. He called me and left a voicemail. That voicemail was a gut punch. In it, he stated that he loved me and the fun we had, but could never be in love with me. I was devastated. I cried myself to sleep that night. The next day, he called a million times. Several days later, I finally called back. I told him that I had gotten the voicemail he left and that he was, in fact, an asshole. He asked what he said because he was so drunk that he couldn't remember. I told him. He sat silent on the line. I hung up. He came to meet me after work and opened up. I listened. I forgave. A few nights later, we were heading out to a bar with friends, one of them being Kyla, and apparently they had a private conversation that night that I was not privy to until later, obviously. In that conversation, he talked about how he was worried that I was too young and worried about hurting me. Kyla told him to shut up and listen to her. She looked at him and said, Don't be stupid, Albert. You know you love Brianna. Albert told me that when Kyla said that, he knew in his heart it was true. He was just scared because what we had was real. 
A week later at our favorite dive bar in the East Village, the Continental, we were out with a pretty big group of friends and hadn't told anyone that, well, we were kind of a thing now. So to let the cat out of the bag, we kissed right there in front of everyone. No one really said anything, but they all had big smiles on their faces. Then, the next day, we made it Facebook official. And as the famous they say, the rest was history. Kyla played such an important role in our relationship. And sadly, she passed away unexpectedly June 25th, 2015 at the age of 33. She was a vibrant woman who was one of my closest friends. We binged on wings at our local spot Rathbones and had epic karaoke nights. She is dearly missed. As I think back on that time and all the memories that were made, my face breaks into such a wide smile. While it can be hard at times to go back to such special moments, it is so important to. It is a beautiful way to honor them and to acknowledge the unmatchable influence they had on our lives. To talk about our person, our love, our best friend is to feel normal. Just because they're dead doesn't mean that our life together has been erased. It is still so much a part of us and our story. And while we may put on an outward appearance of this okayness, we aren't. We will never be okay with their death. We will be happy, joyful, sad, angry in every feeling our bodies throw at us and still continue to fully live our lives. We will take steps we never thought we would take. We will be making decisions we never thought we would have to make. Moving forward is possible. And for most, we will move forward but we will always carry them in our hearts. Facebook is an incredibly weird place when you've lost someone. It can bring so much solace, but also so much pain. Every day when the memories from previous years pop up, you are hit with this insurmountable feeling of dread and anticipation. You click into it to see the post where he talked about making wings for your giant Super Bowl party, or his wife brag post about you making ricotta and stating he had the best wife who magically makes cheese. There are also the sweet posts of sheer affection, where he states he doesn't know how he could live without you. That post strikes you, because it is not him who has to live without you. It is you who has to live without him. While Facebook is a social media platform, it is also a diary of your life. I can look back 10 years and see the beginnings of our relationship, which I actually did the other night, and I stayed up way too late scrolling through his entire archive of posts. There was a post that struck me from the very beginning that he shared. There's movement and light in her eyes like nothing I have ever seen. He was talking about me. We had been friends for so long that once we added in the romantic element, we soared. Once we let our guards down, we could truly embrace the beauty of love. I knew him. I felt safe with him. There wasn't much, if anything, we didn't know about each other. We just made sense. No matter what anyone says about social media, I am so grateful we have it. I have a collection of thoughts, pictures, and videos right at my fingertips anytime I need them or want them. I can go to his now memorialized page and see what others have posted about him and their notes of longing. I can see the influence he had on others. I can see the love we all shared. And for our son, Theo, 
This will someday be a place of refuge, a place where he can go and see his dad. The profound, the silly, the uncomfortable political riots he ensued, and the love he had for us. If you feel scared to revisit those wonderful memories you made with your person, I understand. Sometimes it can be incredibly hard to let yourself go there, emotionally, mentally, even physically. But the good thing is, is that they will be there waiting for you when you are ready. There is no need to rush. Take whatever time you need. Taking care of yourself during this time is so important. Right now, you need to put you first. If you aren't taken care of, no one else will be either. You are worthy of happiness, worthy of that glass of wine, and worthy of a night of mind-numbing TV. You don't have to do all the things right now. One moment at a time is just fine. I can only hope that we can help each other. I would love to hear from you, whether it be questions, comments, your own personal stories, or topics you would like to hear discussed. Please visit anchor.fm slash Brianna-Simpson and click on the send voice message button. On my private Facebook page entitled The Same as the Podcast, I share exclusives on upcoming episodes, guests, and a special Spotify playlist updated every week with songs that are inspired by each episode. I am Brianna, your friendly, quirky, next-door widow. Thank you for listening. This is How I Got Back to My Childhood Bedroom.